You've tuned in to another episode of Wakan TV. This episode, we are going into the Dimensions Tour and the Dimensions EP. Check it out. Good. So we wanted to do an episode about the Dimensions Tour coming up. Yep. And um, why don't you take the lead on that, Loper? Because it's really, as I've said before, I might be the face of the operation, but here's really something that you've been working very hard on. Yeah. The whole puzzle of making dates line up. So this was, I remember we're on the bus for balance. And I get a call from both of our agents. Now, obviously, we have two agents. They kind of do different, serve different functions. But they're both great at what they do. The fact that both of them are on the phone automatically alerts me to, okay, that's abnormal. Usually I talk to one or the other yeah. on bigger planning calls, bigger issues. I get them both. I get called. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And they're like, how you doing? How's tour? Where are you guys at? Blah, 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 blah. Right. And uh, <clears throat> they're like, well, you know, we talk a little bit, small talk, whatever. And. And I, I think I don't even think you were awake yet, um, but it was Chloe and I in the front, and sh- they're like, "So I know we've been kicking around a lot of ideas for the fall, but we have all these offers. We think we should do another bus tour." I was like. No, that like that sounds so ass. He's sleeping. There's no way, you know, like and they're like, no, no, seriously, like we're going to send you over the routing. We just have all these offers on deck. So we've kind of done the math and looked at it all and we think we can you know, just they're all routable and because- they as most people might not be aware of, doing two bus tours in a year is not very common for an artist. It's, a, it's my... extremely uncommon. Yeah. Um, usually the philosophy on touring is that you do it kind of um, surrounding like releases and you hit, you know, all the major markets and then the B smaller markets and the even sometimes smaller than that. Um, but you know, we had due to different radius issues, um, we weren't playing all the markets. And so they were like, yeah, we've like built this route. There's offers on the table. Um, and we can route this whole thing together. And I was like, first off, like we're not that lucky. Like we just aren't like, that's not usually how that goes. And, um, they're like, we think that this is honestly probably the best option for the fall. It's insane, and he might not go for it, but we feel like this is probably the best move as opposed to, you know, just doing other things and random one-offs and whatever else. So I mull it over, 
and obviously I know better than to approach you about a conversation like that in the morning. Like that's I'm not a morning person. That is yeah, that is an unheard of kind of idea. But I think you're making me sound I mean, <laughs> I like being out on the road and do Yeah. I, I, because quite frankly, I am of the opinion this is a fleeting thing and I'm even surprised some days that I'm still relevant because yeah. i've been doing this for a long time so you also gotta hit strike while the iron is hot yeah, well and, and and i think that that's kind of like after this in-depth conversation with them and then really kind of taking a look at it and talking to the tour coordinator and you know all the people that we have to talk to the business managers and all that crap going through the economics of it it kind of was like that feeling of when we first started the festival. It was like, okay, this is crazy, but how crazy is it? Is it doable? And I think, you know, it's not necessarily about do you like touring or do you not like touring? It, touring serves a function, and I feel like that's incredibly important, but it was kind of like, well, we just did this, you know, frankly, the Balance Tour was not a short tour. It was like three months. And it was pretty grueling. So, it, but but in the I'm sorry if I'm interrupting you know, but I think you said something earlier. You mentioned radius clauses, and I don't know if our listeners all know what that is. Would you want to speak yeah, to that so just quickly? Explain the, what that is and why it is that sometimes on tours we can't come to a certain city. Yeah, I mean, it's you, not a personal thing. It's not that we hate that city. Yeah. It has to do with other things. A lot, a lot of. I mean, like in most scenarios, like radius clauses exist to make it so that you aren't um, playing in a market right down the road or in the same place as another show. So the promoter that is, you know, frankly risking their money to bring you in can maximize their potential profitability to be able to get the most out of or the most leverage out of like bringing you to that city. And then it's an it's basically basically an exclusion to make it so that you can't come back to us to that same spot um, for a certain amount of time to make sure that you know you it, it helps keep the market healthy. Which makes total sense. If yeah. I get paid to go play a show and then I take like three side offers under the table, then I was diluting my worth in that right. market. Exactly. I, I, and so that's obviously frowned upon, but even to an extent where we're legally bound yeah, signing paperwork that we're going to Yep. And do. so th I so, just think that's important for the fans cuz obviously and I think it goes for all artists get like why the fuck aren't you coming to this Yeah, city? I mean you, and, I mean it's a valid question. You usually roll out a, you know, <clears throat> dates or something and then there's always like a handful of people that are like why do you hate Texas or something like that and it's just like we don't hate Texas. It's because what? we're excluded from playing the market because of x y and z festivals or it's too close to in proximity to another place that we're playing and you know it just that's the red tape and that's why there's things uh, it's a cycle yeah. and that's why we did some of the dates on balance and now some of them on dimensions and and you know so i'm, I'm like analyzing this in my head because this came out of nowhere and it was not in the plan. It was not in the cards. It was something that randomly just like popped up because like, you know, look, as a manager, like I don't, I have a 
a decent idea of what our yearly kind of grid looks like. And in your scenario, because we have this massive festival in the fall, that means that there's just not a lot of time and or opportunity to play a lot of stuff later in the year because that takes up the bulk of our time. And, you know, when you deal with a festival versus just like a one-off show in a certain market, you're pulling from the festival, you're pulling people from all over the country. You're pulling people from different countries. You're pulling people from Mexico and then Denver and people that are willing to fly from England and Australia to come to this thing. And so it's like, it's, it's tough to be able to analyze how well something's going to be attended, whether it be the festival or a tour or, and will one hurt the other by doing that? And so you kind of, you know, when you're gritting out your year of what you're going to do, you strategically try to think what is going to maximize exposure when you go out and travel. And so it hadn't even been on the radar. It hadn't even come up. And, and, you know, the more I start thinking about it and then I go into the grid and start looking at the markets that we had just ripped through on balance and look at what markets they're proposing and don't see a lot of overlap. I'm like, this could totally work. We essentially and effectively are hitting most major cities in North America in the U S this year, which for an artist of your size, um, doesn't usually happen frequent. I mean, like, you know, of course, if you're like Metallica, you go on a world tour, but that takes, you know, three, four years usually to set up. And it's off this big record that they've been writing for five, six years in dance music. That doesn't really happen. Most, I mean, fuck, most artists don't tour like that in general. It started to become a lot more traditional, but, you know, back in the day when you started, it would just be these random pop-up gigs. Sure. So. Because it takes a lot to put together this type of tour. We go out with two buses and a semi loaded with our own equipment, our own sound system, LED walls, smoke machines, whatever it is, lasers. Mm Mm-hmm. it's a totally different ball game. It takes a lot of prep, and it also should be said it takes a lot of money. Like yeah. you need capital. So, well, <clears throat> and to do it to do it to the level of which it makes sense for the economics to work, yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, that's scalable, contingent on ticket prices and things like that. But at the end of it, I was just like, I finally got to the realization of like, you know, this really does make sense. And thank God, like our agents are smarter than we are, um, and you know. They knew it was kind of a risk to do, but it felt calculated and looking at the market situation and where we were going to go on the routing, it really did match up to effectively work. And so presented that to you and, uh, you know, your your response was um, honestly better than frankly, kind of like what I expected. Um, because like, especially like to talk about doing another tour, right? While you're still <laughs> yeah. on tour, on the tour. Well. you know, and you know, it, it just, it has to make sense for everybody involved, including yourself, because it's a huge commitment and frankly, not something that we really take lightly. And so after kind of doing the math and talking to all the powers that be and looking at, you know, how that would all play out, you know, we felt like it ultimately made sense to do. 
And then after that takes place, we go and confirm everything. And then we start working on, you know, basically what a lineup is going to look like and what the art is going to feel like. And, you know, luckily for us, we're in a luxurious position because you always have music. Well, I was going to talk about that. Normally, I have written music and then we basically play around it. it. This yeah. time it almost happened the opposite. And this might be the one of the first times where the tour plan was already in place and I had to whip up another release that I wasn't even planning on releasing this right. year. Which I'm almost done with <clears throat> and panned out. But yeah. that was an extra yeah. stressor for me. Uh, well, I, I always believe in the philosophy of like, you don't tour for the sake of touring. You tour with functionality in mind. Mm -hmm. And you tour because you have a reason to tour as opposed to going out. So like to me, it's one hand watching the other. If we can do a tour and it makes sense, or if we have a record that we need to promote and push, then that's the reason to tour. This time, it was actually a little bit ass backwards. And, you know, we talked about in it, like, you know, obviously we need to create uh, music that would support that. Yeah. You know, because there needs to be a reason to go and see this artist like Absolutely. and that's the angle i come from you know <clears throat> this episode started off very business-like and i do think that's very important because yep. all these things are true for me as an artist there is another facet of it which is very art driven which is i would like to go out and present this new material for my listeners i'm actually very proud of this new ep i think like sonically sound engineering wise that's where i'm making leaps and bounds right now i'm working really hard on it yeah uh, but also you know i would not want to go out and repeat myself so yes this tour is going to be totally different than the balance tour in terms of what i'm playing yeah it's going to still be banging freeform party music for most part but yeah different songs and a you know different body of work that i'm that I'm fronting for it. Yeah. So that's kind of like the evolution of how it all kind of came to be was a little bit different. And I'm glad that we're doing it because even in, in that that's challenging. And we, I want to have a reason to get out and show people what we're doing. I want to have a reason why they should spend their hard earned money to come and see you mm -hmm. and you know like to me it has to serve both the artistic integrity and the functionality to make it all collectively work together and you know i i think you know i'm not going to say that we're never going to do this again but it has to basically tick all the boxes for it to be for it to make sense. You know, I feel there's another aspect too, and 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 that is helping as many aspiring producers. We're all aspiring, but the people that I can afford and it's possible to bring with me, like mm -hmm. that's exciting to me that this time we're bringing Trip Street and Raven School and Tape B, three new people I haven't been touring with before. Mm -hmm. That excites me greatly. Yeah. You know? making new relationships, giving them a boost. Um, 
you know, working with new people like that in a collective setting is always exciting to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Even more so than my own like one-offs. I feel like this is, there's more responsibility, more mm -hmm. things to think about. And, you know, especially for you doing all the back end, the big puzzle, Cody and Jay, our booking agents that are, you know, probably ripping their hair out, trying to make the bus go in a, you know, yep. decent, proper way. But for me, it's always a great opportunity to kind of, we're big collectivists, you know, yeah. so to try to go out as a collective, to me, is even less about just me than it is about well, and know, I, and I don't the think, full force of the line. I mean, there's a lot of people that have to line up for a tour, even a show date to be successful. You know, and there's so many different hands that uh, are involved to to make it really crack. And, you know, we're in a great position because we are in demand to be able to help service and further that vehicle. Yes, it does help you. Um, and yes, it does help the artists that are also on the tour, but it helps the label. It makes it so that, you know, it helps me, it helps our agents, it helps our lawyers because it affects so many other people as well. It helps the promoters assuming the show, you know, generates revenue, which, you know, most of them do. Um, and then at the end of the day, the most importantly, you know, the most important thing is that the fans get to see, and hear new music. They get a new experience. They get a new um, thing to be able to be a part of. And that, at the end of it, is why you do it. Yep. And and being able to service that and everybody to hopefully win across the board in that, that, that just, that's a great feeling to be a part of, you know? So, um, it, it at first I was like, no, it does not make sense. That's insane. We should not do that. As I kind of progressed in my thought process, I was like, okay, I think I think that this could work. Will he go for it? I don't know. We'll see. And you know, luckily you're really trusting of the people that you've put around you. You empower them, and. Um, but at the end of the day, you're also very much a team player and you understand the bigger benefit of why it makes sense to go out and do something like this. Oh, a bus tour is exhausting. Don't get me wrong. And yep. it's despite maybe popular belief, at least how we tour, it's, it's, uh, it's very focused on work. We play shows almost every single day. We don't party very much. Uh, you know, and there is no room really for that if you want to stay somewhat healthy, at least at my age. I'm in my 40s, so like I yep. gotta, it, I gotta plan it. But it is also very empowering. It feels like there's there's a fine fine line in life between exhaustion and uh, furthering your own purpose. Mm -hmm. And I do think it's cool that we're not just stagnating or becoming too comfortable. Like both of us are, have been doing well for a while and. I can buy all the stuff I need, but 
I'm actually truly passionate about this culture and I foresee myself staying with this culture until I die. Like it's it's a lifetime commitment for me yeah. and I feel like you're the same. So in that bigger scope, when you go past your own ego and your own comfort zone, hey, I'm a lazy, comfortable person too. I think a man of convenience is what we like to say. Yep. So most smart people want to work at least as efficient as possible. Yep. It's not about the hour, just about the hours. Mm-hmm. But it's very easy to put those things aside, at least for myself. And I know you are very much sharing that sentiment that, you know, if I'm working for a bigger purpose, you know, I mean, I have so much extra energy somehow. Well, look, there's going to be a day. I mean, the pandemic was very much proof of that where we sat around and we didn't we weren't in this position of being able to tour and we didn't like it as much did we? and you know <laughs> it's, it's funny too. it's it was like pretty it was pretty boring you, you know? you're like oh, we need a break like you know like and you, you think like that when you're in the midst of oh. it and then you have said break and you turn right around and you're like oh my god i'm so bored honestly like, when we went home from the vegas from the ascension tour which was when we were just like shut down you know it's yep. covid yep. you gotta go home i have of course it's tragic the the opening acts that we just had put on couldn't play out their tour and didn't get that opportunity and the fans personally at that point i was so excited i hadn't had a break past five years so the first like few weeks coming home was kind of like wow i feel so well rested <laughs> yeah and then yeah. it got really boring and more so than that you know <clears throat> boring is one thing because you can always find things to do and friends to hang out with and mm-hmm. hobbies and whatnot but it's the purpose that's my key word it's like what am i doing yeah. you know how am i helping people how am i contributing to this planet am i part of the solution or the problem and in fact, I think that's there is people before the pandemic and after. I think we've all changed a little bit. And one thing that's changed with me is I don't take that for granted. Yeah, I as mean, much. you had this time of this like extended period of time where you were just like you couldn't do anything like yeah. that. You couldn't connect with people. You couldn't see the joy in their faces and the emotion that you know music evokes, which is a very imperative thing when you're a musician yeah and you couldn't see that you didn't have that fulfillment and that after it being so long you start to miss that and i i and i think like the you know a big piece of this was do we have a reason why to tour well yeah we do can we tour okay well i just remembered almost three years where we couldn't tour if we can and it makes sense, and we're not complete morons and idiots for doing it, then why wouldn't we take advantage of the fact that there's enough demand to book you in all these markets to be able to do it again? Oh, and just, you know, speaking personally, and yes, it's a little businessy, but in my case, I make the vast majority of my money from touring, and definitely before the pandemic started, sold out every single show and I started taking for granted that this is how my life is now. It's a very dangerous place to be and learned the hard way. So again, going back to you confronting me on the bus about this Dimensions tour, Mm -hmm. it kind of, I had that fresh in mind. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do this because first off, yeah, I do trust you guys and you are smarter than me when it comes to this. It takes a very 
specific person with education to do your guys's job and i don't have it so but but secondly i don't think i'll ever take for granted again being able to just be out playing shows we were even thinking about changing our business methods you know and how can we do other things you know maybe focus more on clothing this is also where we started thinking about this podcast idea. yeah it just took us forever to get it going but you remember when you came to my place in Arizona and we had that week and we were in the midst of pandemic and it was like, what, okay, what other things can we branch out and do? Yeah. And now fortunately we're back to being able to tour. And I think that's a wonderful thing actually. Yeah. It's well, exhausting, but it's wonderful. The funny thing about the, the podcast too was we were going to do it in conjunction with the balance tour. Oh yeah. We were for our first plan was to do this podcast in green rooms and then when you know and i have to say too i'm a moron to a lot of times where i think that oh yeah i got this like i make music yeah, i know tech like this can be easy and then realizing how much like we got three cameras back here we yeah. got all kinds of stuff that people don't see but it's not just two people that met up in my living room one day it's like oh well you should do a podcast <laughs> but that's how i went into it he's like yeah it's gonna be easy i love talking to loper well, you got a lot to say i'm sure it'll be fine yeah and it's humbling you know yeah yeah, yeah. So well, with the green rooms, we just realized how many caveats, it was too many unknown variables. Yeah. And a lot of our green rooms, you know, they're, 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 there's a wide range of like, there's not so that every time I come play a city, there's like, oh, great, Liquid Strange is coming. We're going to build a venue perfect for his needs. Yeah. We take what we have and what we can get. Yeah. I mean, you know, most of the rooms that we play are like these very like hollow shell kind of things. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the fan doesn't experience that. They don't see... Most of the time, the the venue's just completely just like it's it's basically just a box. Oh, and some green rooms are super nice, but yeah. there is no consistency, and and also the <clears> timing. <throat> like it, it, team time gets eaten up very quickly on tour. It's an insane. You wake up, try to get something to eat, do your restroom duties, and then plan the set, and then it's like time to play again. It's like it never fails to surprise me. It's yeah, like how fast those days <clears> move. So there isn't so much time to plan a podcast maybe well, and some people pull it off like steve-o does something like that while he's touring and stuff and then the like and but. then at one another idea was to like do it in like the back of the bus mm -hmm. and that in theory sounded cool and romantic because you're on the back of this tour bus and almost like an mtv cribs kind of thing but then in all like it's, it would have been a train wreck. Yeah, it's not very practical. And even this setup, we just settled to do this yeah. over here for now. And if this podcast does well and the listeners want to see us do this more, this is a little bit of a trial, you know. Yeah. Then we have, you know, our five, 6,000 square foot office space where we can build a room. You yeah. Know? I guess that's where we're working on it now. Yeah, that's what we're. In fact, we've been upgraded today. We got a new audio interface for the podcast. We got another microphone because we want to have guests. So yeah. That's going to come too. So we're, we have big plans. But, like, um, Anyways, go. Maybe we need to reel this in a little bit. Last episode, we just kept talking about all kinds of other <laughs> shit. So. The first thing I, I would like to kind of address is like, where did the title of Dimensions come from? 
it's like when we usually work with names like either sometimes there are romantic very good stories about that and this this time we have this list of names that comes from my brain pool document on my phone it's called the brain pool and it's filled <laughs> with hundreds of names and usually you uh, you will ask me and i've learned this now that used to be a little more you ask me something with very little time for me to make a decision so i better have prepared and this time i did so i have like eight different titles yeah and we were going to call it Alter Dimensions, and we decided to strap it down to Dimensions. It's had different names, but we settled on the name, I think, at least from my angle, because we want to look at this tour as the multiverse of different songs. The songs on the EP is very deep space this time, mm-hmm. pretty hard hitting. There's a Spaghetti Time song on there. There, It is very much of those different dimensions of the dance floor material that I make. So the names actually help me write the music too, you know? Yeah. It's almost like writing a soundtrack. Kind of give it like a framework. So I know the framework and the title. Yeah. And try to... This time it was all ass backwards because I started writing the songs after we already knew about the tour. It's not very common. Yeah. And, you know, like from you know a previous episode we talked about like this like brain pool is kind of like an ongoing thing where there's years of additions yes that have been added and you know you it's kind of seasonal where you kind of get stuck into certain kind of thoughts for bits of time oh, for sure and the same with the music it started to sound like uh you write four songs and they definitely have things in common today i learned the word petrichor which is the pleasant smell after it rains and i want to name a down tempo song that and i wrote it down because then when i sit up there and i write that song i might not have names floating around i can just refer to that and get moving yeah you wouldn't be, be surprised how many times you try to like save a product and it's like sitting there he's like what am i gonna call it wub 44 and that's when you resort to those names, and then yeah. you can't find the project if you're me and working on 100 songs at the same time. It's like, which one was Wub 34, and which yeah. one was, yeah, whatever. It was 44. Test 86, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. So, like, with that, and with that titling, what exactly does that mean in reference to you? Well... In terms of the name Dimensions, Mm -hmm. to me it becomes pragmatic and I think about the one thing I said already, how do I make the music kind of fit into that? To me Dimensions, you know, it stands for different uh, portals almost into musical universes. But also I'd say that I've been talking a lot this time to Colin, who is our VJ, Mm -hmm. who does all the visual content, content and DJ mixes live during my shows Mm -hmm. and we've come up with a lot of cool ideas with this name in mind and we are working right now on coming up with scripts for our little intros that we've started doing on tours this little short you know presenting the tour before I even start playing music I make some soundscapes and write some lyrics and usually speak it myself or whatever and then having him create these uh, cool visuals too. So that's where I really feel like the name, you know, really comes into play. And I'd also go further saying that that also, of course, taps into the artwork of 
of this EP. It's going to be four songs. It is a smaller body of work this time. That's what I had time for. I wanted to focus on four really good songs as opposed to all my fluttery <coughs> side songs and stuff. But uh, the artwork for the for this uh, release I really like too. And I think that's another aspect where you can work the names, you know? Yeah. Is there yeah, anything else I'm missing here well, finding, that you're looking for? Finding, you know, like, because that's the thing too is that like, I, like even when we come up with conceptually these ideas we then have to go and hire out graphics mm -hmm. hire out visuals that are fitting to what we're trying to get to come across musically so the fans have this audio visual kind of interactive experience so they see a fresh new unique show and you know, that, that's the thing I'm most excited about because I've already talked to, you know, Drew, who does a lot of our visuals. Mm -hmm. And then obviously you said Colin plays, you know, Colin oh, DJs them live. Several people that work on creating the visuals because that's a big endeavor. Yeah. Colin is the person that at all times travel in my core team with me. I have a lighting director, which is Wes, and mm -hmm. I have a video DJ yeah. DJ is just like I do but with visuals and that's Colin mm -hmm. I got Sipper and I got a few other people but but Colin is really the man that travels with me to all my shows yeah all the and, festivals every and so single one. with this like we have a new tour new name new art new record and you support, and uh, I think it's also new important support, because that also gives a new show, like, and it's also the whole thing is new. Not that we maybe thought of this, but that's also a way to play with the word dimension because now we have three other artists that also play dimensionally very different music than myself, right. and that's also something we try to think about building the lineups. That is not just going to be one thing a whole night, but also that the whole night is actually going to be full of meaning, and that even if you're Playing first out of four, it's still a person we really want to get on there. And our fans know you got to make it out early because Tapey is going to crush. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So the, that's important for me, too. I think that's another little play off the word dimensions. Yeah. No, I, I think support is very much very dimensional. They, they take a lot of boxes. They all do different stuff, but there's still a lot of synergy amongst them that kind of have a common thread that ties into a bigger scope of bass music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you mentioned Tate B. Tate B, you know, when we, we first offered, offered the tour to this other artist in which. A female she, artist, because we always try to yeah. bring females with us and we sort of didn't make that happen this time because yeah. of scheduling conflicts yeah so but we tape b came in as like the hottest new guy on the blog is making amazing music and yeah floating all over the spectrum and and uh has been on my radar for a while yeah. i'm very it, excited you know, about it we it, haven't even worked that much together yeah and that makes it sort of it's, exciting it's interesting too because like tape b came out of i know he's been making music for a while but i think that he's like one of the artists that kind of is just now starting to get his shine because he started doing well and getting on a lot of people's radars 
during like, the pandemic during but the then pandemic, people can't go see him anywhere, but they couldn't but see no, him yeah, so now yeah. we're in this like weird like bubble of like artists that either were started and you're not seeing a lot of artists new artists in bass music i mean there there are like you know don't torch me for this but like there's not a lot of new stuff that's coming out because why in fuck's name, if you're a producer, would you continue on if you hadn't already created something that was like substantial during the pandemic? You know, like it doesn't unless you just really, 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 really love it. It's a terrible vis- business venture because you don't know how long it's going to last. And I think Tay B is one of those guys that seemingly, at least to me, kind of was starting to bubble and brew and then was about to kind of go and then got shut down and people didn't really have the luxury of like being super familiar with him. And so it's exciting to have this like fresh blood on the tour because this is, I'm pretty sure his first like bigger tour that he's ever done. I'm very excited about that. And we're talking about, doing a body of work and release with him and hopefully a couple. Uh, but he makes this really he, like, he's very much like a SoundCloud mixtape kid who does a lot of edits, does a lot of like vibey bass music. And it's, it's really cool. And I think it's going to be a great way to open. And he's got a night. good range too, from really heavy songs to like you said, more that mixtape mentality, which is going to be a super cool thing. And, yep. you know, always trying to get different people. So he's, Quite different from Ravenscoon. Yep. And then Ravenscoon's next. And Paul is like, I mean, absolutely destroying everything he does at the moment. Like, you know, talking to him was interesting because he told me, you know, I've, I've been making, I was part of the kind of, maybe not first, but the second wave of dubstep. Maybe the first one was the British dungeon music. Like Scream Bang, it like sounded very, very different from the robo step that we started making. Yeah. But Ravenscoon has been very inspired by the by the music from that era, 2009, 2010, and then updating and upgrading it. And to me, that's such a cool thing, almost sentimental a little bit, because like I can hear that aesthetic, but it's just been like, whoa, okay, well, he just took it somewhere else. Yeah. Super cool to me to, to hear it. Yeah, it, it was really interesting how I got to know him. He sent me a DM on Instagram and was just like, hey, dude. It's like, I need a manager. <laughs> it's like, yeah, cool. That's awesome. Like, and then like, you know, after kind of checking it out, then I had, there was a couple agents that had approached me about him and if i had heard of him and what i thought and you know usually it's one of those things where there's smoke there's usually fire and if enough people are talking about an artist you know something's gonna mm-hmm. you know probably happen but he's crushing his tracks <clears throat> yeah. it's gonna be fun well he's crushing his show so i i've been super fortunate because i actually manage him as well and you know we have a great working relationship he's an amazing dude like and and the thing like he very is naturally wired um for business and it makes it very enjoyable to work because 
he has a lot of great ideas. He's he's a very very intelligent person, and that makes it really easy to kind of go back and forth and have a conversation with somebody who has opinions on what they want to do and where they want their brand to go, but yet is open to trying to get the best out of the project by being able to include certain people who add value. Um, and it's, I feel very fortunate that I'm able to work with him. I'm, I'm really excited about what he has going on. I think he'll probably do a full length next year. He'll probably headline his own run. And I think that this is a great setup. You see, that's another one of the goals. Like that's my personal goal that I want to bring out artists and then I'm always hoping that in a year or two from then I'll see them go out on their own headlining tour. And that's a success for me. It's yeah. A big yeah. success well, for me. I, I think you've had a great track record. I, I mean, have. We have. You know, like LS Dream and, and Peekaboo and Lucy and, you know, even right now, Champagne Drip, who oh, was yeah. on... Uh, well, Mitch Taboo was just out with us. Now he's going Mitch, out. It's yeah, Mitch quick. is going out that f- this fall. I mean, like, yeah, I'm that's... so in awe of that guy too. By the way, I know he's not on this tour, but he was on the last tour and uh, really impressed me. Mitch, uh, he can all, he, he's a jokey guy. Comes across as bolster, but that guy has a lot of depth, and he is insanely more talented than people have realized. Yeah, his by uh, far his track with Grizz came out last week, and it's. Oh yeah, that's exciting. Performing too. like a motherfucker. Yep. So I'm super happy for him. But yeah, and then direct support Trip Street is Trip Street, and I I think for a lot of people that that one was kind of a wild card. Um, well, but I I think it fits perfectly. I always try to think about the fact that I don't want the whole night to sound the same. And I know that I tend to on my tours, if you only hear my recorded works, it might seem that I'm going to be playing a lot more very left field, weird, down. but I play pretty stonky hard sets. Yeah. And they have a pretty, I guess, dark, crazy aesthetic. And when I read people's feedback, it's mostly like making soup out of their brain and stuff. I don't want the whole night to necessarily be, I think that's something you build up to, to not just numb out your listeners ears and that's why i've been so excited to get trip street because it's a totally different aesthetic it's still banging but it's very much tapping into this um kind of organic acoustic funky i mean he's all over the place there but yeah he's he's very much a savant he can write he can write anything Mm -hmm. and he sent me records i mean like he's on Closey's label Odyssey, mm-hmm. and that's his home. And, you know, they do their thing, and it's very in that lane, and he's very much in that lane. But, like, it's, I mean, like, the guy can, I mean, he can make anything. I was super talented. And and it's a little bit the same school. You know, I'm a huge fan of Manic Focus and old Grace, I'd say, when he was doing his funky stuff, yeah. which I think he's gone away from a little, a little more dubstep nowadays. But, like, there there has been a little bit of a void there too and i think trip street is a very fresh breath of air yeah in that you know i'm a huge dj shadow fan 
And so that's an artist working here. He's got something in common there. Yeah. That type of culture. He, you know, a lot of sample based, you know, sampling vinyl. Uh, it, it's got some, it may, maybe he doesn't sample vinyl, but it has that sound he, to it. I, he loves it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like his favorite artist is Nas. Yeah. And he, he, just, right, I can, I can he just... loves like old hip hop. But like, you know, he's very content in doing what he wants to do. And he has a very clear cut vision of how he wants his records roll out. Um, and, and I think, you know, he's definitely having a moment and doing some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of good things in the works. Um, there's a record that I've heard that's coming out on Odyssey at some point uh, this year, and it is amazing. Um, you know, I know that we're trying to talk about potentially doing something, assuming oh, we but can regardless, get that done. But I like, want to say that, too. I think it's really awesome that we can work with artists from Odyssey, for example. We have a huge respect for Closey and yeah. everything she does. So like, that just makes me even happier that we can we're we're not this little clique of internal admirers we always try to look outside um and i think uh i'm very happy we got trip street to even agree to do this with us i think it's awesome yeah so and you know i think a lot of people at least from what i've seen online they have a lot of questions and one that we're seeing pretty often is what kind of production we're going to be bringing. So, you know, I can tell you we are definitely going to be bringing a lot of lasers and we are working on a whole new visual package that is being created as we speak. And we always bring a ton of sound. Tons of sound, loads of PK stuff. I mean, it's it's a very loud, uh, wild show. And one thing that we have gotten a lot is we're doing three nights at Mission Ballroom. It's about 12,000 tickets um, all collectively together. And we are rolling out all the stops for production. It is going to be even better than it was. We're last not going to disclose the full lineup for those shows, but oh my god, did you crush that? I mean, I was so, I've been so impressed. The, the New York lineups, takeover, all all the takeovers we got lined up. Yeah, and dude, we have you. You really did a good night. Nice we job have the New that. York. We have the New York takeover at Avant Gardner, and that lineup's great. Yep. Um, we're doing the Halloween takeover with Berg. Yep. Uh, down in. Oh, yeah. Florida. I've seen people ask this too. What is it? What kind of family set? Maybe, you know, I'd imagine yeah, we're doing so, that too. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be doing that. And I think that that's something that like is super, at this point, pretty important. But yeah. Because I feel like very much like as an, at an artist of your level, a lot of people aren't wearing, willing to kind of share some of that limelight. And, you know, I think that that, being able to do kind of like a family style back to back with everybody that's on the road with you to make sure that they can play in front of the maximum amount of people that are there, you know, that's a special thing. And, you know, I think a lot of times people think that it's some sort of gimmick. Uh, and I guess maybe in a way it is, but really what it is is being able to like 
play music with your friends. Absolutely. It and also it's broken down specifically to that. So what Khan family said would be when we have a little set aside time for all of us to get up on stage together. And sometimes I stand a little more in the background because I really want to highlight my friends. I think it's something that everyone should be doing in any type of work, any type of industry, whatever it is. And it, really pays for itself you know if yeah. you're an empath such as myself but also i mean it's a, on every single tour that we've been doing with me myself my liquid stranger tours we do this thing during my set where i usually give the support together 10 to 15 minutes in the middle of my set to go up and do their things so i want them to play for the full crowd and i feel like touring is a very collectivistic endeavor to begin with so to me it's not a gimmick as much as like a it's my own favorite part of the night. Yeah. Too. It's very empowering and the crowd just goes nuts. Because yeah. now you have the combined power of all the people. Well boom. I mean that's the thing too, is that like you're there and you do this to be able to make memories. And I can tell you some of the best nights on tour are during those times. That's what you remember. Yep. And that's you know, that's I mean, you, we're we're racking up life points by being able to do that. And to me, I feel like that's the whole philosophy about Wakan and Liquid Stranger is being able to do what you do and do what we do collectively as a unit from the label side and the artist side, but then equally being responsible in trying to usher in the next generation of artists help create the world you want to live in yeah. and that it, that's my selfish reason if anything i think you'd say the same we are very interested in other people and their success it's not easy to run a record label and it's not for everyone yeah. around a collective you need to be interested in other people you need to be interested in that art you need to be truly i don't think you can fake that really you can't but for us, it's very much real. We might suck at certain things, but that is very true. And we're going to be doing well, that. Well, I think a lot of the things that at least I can say for myself that I don't necessarily maybe always succeed on, it comes from a place of being pure hearted and trying to legitimately help. Yeah, and that's success in it itself. Can. You know, that, that so, way you're, that's how I compete with myself. Yeah. So. Um, that's, that's exciting. Um, and then, you know, in Denver, we're talking about doing a pop-up shop. We're talking about doing some surprise mm -hmm. after party type things. We're and starting to do that more now doing after parties. I really enjoy it now. It's a lot because I don't like to play the same songs twice in the night. So it becomes two sets, but it's still very rewarding. And it's brought me back a little bit to those more intimate, sweaty nightclubs. Because lately I've been playing so much like super high scale Lollapalooza, streamed on Hulu. And it's, yeah, but it's, it's its own thing. And like going back to those clubs where I could go even a little harder and just pull out the real grime is really nice. So let me ask this like, with that, another bus tour, do you like, do you prefer doing? bus tours do you prefer the fly-ins or 
I like busters a lot because it eliminates a lot of flying. Flying gets very tedious. I think about it sometimes. I actually do active work for an hour, 75 minutes, and the rest is just transportation, sitting at hotels, la, la, la. I'm also pretty introverted, so I don't do, it becomes a pretty lonely, isolated thing still, you know? Now I travel with you guys and not as much, but it still is like a lot of hassle for an hour. Of, you know. The yeah. bus tours, it feels more that the travel is baked in. We sleep mostly during the time the bus moves, so it actually feels easier. I also like to have a schedule pretty much every day where I'm busy. I like being busy. And what, and what do you think, what is the best part about bus life? In your opinion, it's it, it's it's so integrated and it becomes its own little ecosystem, and you go and play so a show every night. It's the best way to upgrade your skills. I've gotten so much better at DJing and planning stuff and being on the mic and being comfortable. I mean, that's a really really great and it's a great way to build a brand. It's a great way to build a label. It's a great way to build an artist. Uh, I highly recommend it to everyone. Yeah. Go on a bus tour if you can afford it. Also, it's got other... We love bringing a ton of clothes. We are passionate about making clothes. Yeah. We make a lot. <clears throat> and it's just a logistical advantage where, one, we travel with my own CDJ 3000s. I know they work. I know there's not going to be any dumb old equipment. We travel with our own speakers, our own LED walls. We have everything integrated, and we have so much clothes with us, and we sell a lot of those. You can you can put a lot of boxes of merch yeah. in a semi. Yeah, so it just becomes very logistically very smart. <laughs> it takes care of everything. I think yeah. it's very. I, I I wholeheartedly believe that the best form of marketing is merchandising. Yeah, and it's fun too. It's that's also not a gimmick for us. I mean, I know like we we do well with it and we sell out, but it's also because you know how much time and effort do we put into those designs? I mean, I mean every time you're over here, we have hours discussion about designs, and yeah, we're always looking. I mean, you you spend a lot of. Your, I mean, I've been your, working on merchandise for the festival and for this tour since. And it looks amazing. The end of Balance Tour. Yeah. So since about April. Yeah. And I mean, like at the festival, there's, I mean, there's going to be tons of design. I mean, like, and we're also doubling up on a lot of things and that's, you know, it's going to have its own set of clothing specifically for your tour to coincide with that, which I think is going to be great. But, you know, you you said something earlier and I do want to touch on this because I think it's important, you know, the. First thing is you have certain things implemented into your set. The family back-to-back. That's a big one. It's an important one. But then you have spaghetti time. We did get a question about spaghetti time. And I actually think it's great because I have never known this myself. Where in fuck's name did spaghetti time come from? Well, I say silly things on the mic, so that's how it started. It's just something that blurted out of my mouth. But then it resonated with people. What it really is, is just a little portion in my set when I play unexpected, even uh, stranger or crazier music than normal. Music that makes you feel like you're swimming in a broth of overcooked ramen. Ramen's a different noodle. 
Just saying. yeah, it could be any type of noodle. I could call it noodle time. It noodle might change, time. you know, depend on. Can I? But spaghetti. Do you like spaghetti? I grew up with spaghetti. It's a huge staple, and nowadays I try to eat less of it because I don't think the grains that we grow are that healthy anymore. Not for my body, at least. Too much yeah. pesticides. But yeah. Do you remember the first time you said spaghetti time? No. Blacked out, just blurred. No I mean, idea. It's all a blur in my head. But basically, it's just um, a little uh, section that I don't even really didn't even really have to announce per se, but I did. And sometimes it strikes a chord. I guess people like slimy, overcooked, <laughs> noodly music. Yeah. No, well, I think it's fun. People. There's lots of spaghetti time totems and things out there, pins and clothing and But it's not a very thought it's just stuff that happens and then it's like, oh, maybe I should just keep on doing this. I don't I, I don't overthink those things. And I try a lot of things. I feel like my sets are pretty much you know how fast I DJ. It's like in my playlist now I have I just remember from last I had a hundred and seven songs in an hour so i have to haul ass and it's no risk no reward type of philosophy i do mess up too less and less because i'm getting better at it but i try a lot of different things i've tried to do like oh a little down tempo section in the middle that's when you're like eh. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it works and sometimes it's like oh i just lost the whole crowd it's like all the energy dropped I mean, it, it's, I, it, well, it's, it's interesting because like you know like i tried you've to been do- doing this for a long time mm-hmm. and yet you still face the same challenges of being on the mic, perfect mixing, saying the right thing on the mic. I mean, like, these are things that pretty much every producer and DJ encounters. Gear problems. Oh, like, yeah. it, it, it's always gear it problems. Happens. It happens. Like, that's the one thing we always joke about. It's okay if I'm the person who actually pulled down the wrong lever. But when the CDJs stop, it's so frustrating because now I'm going to look like an asshole. Yeah, but I didn't do anything. I remember so, somewhere on but balance, it happens. Like, and then some one of our boxes went out. Well, the Serato box. Oh went yeah, it always happens. Something. I don't think I've ever seen. But that then happen. you need to learn in life in every situation. Life's not going to be perfect, and it's the same in all relationships. You need to be able to laugh about it and yeah. do it gracefully and pick up the mic and command it and just be cool about it. And that seems to work. Yeah, I've tried. I think what I've been up against too is to do the wrong thing at the wrong time, right thing at the wrong time. I tried a few years to play a lot of drum and bass in my sets, like never worked. Maybe now it's got a little resurgence. Maybe it's a little trendier now. We'll try it again. I still think that there's a lot of people that say that they like drum and bass, but then when it comes on, they're not sure what to do. It's like that movie Talladega Nights where he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands, like during that interview. Yeah, I feel, I feel like a lot of times with drum and bass when I see it played out. But I mean, more, unless it's like Kamarion or something. The more you're exposed to it, the easier it gets. The yeah. trick to drum and bass, I'm going to give away the secret if you want to dance to it. If you think the drum starts too fast, you have two tempos because you got the bass lines. That's the beauty with drum and bass. I play a lot of drum and bass tempo all in my sense. Like half of it is like 175, 180. I just play the drums half tempo in America because that's what Americans seem to jive off of more. As long as you like put the beats on the half tempo, drum and bass works great here in America. It's you're full, but maybe it gets a little monotonous, a little too fast. I don't know what it is. In Europe, it's huge. Yeah, you know. Yeah, definitely. So I'm used. I grew up with that being, and I 
still think I'd say it's way bigger than dubstep in Europe, you know, Belgium yeah. and UK and over there, you know. I mean, Steve, our graphic designer, would be thrilled that we're talking about drum and bass. He's a, one of my favorite drum and bass DJs, actually. DJ Fury. Fury and he's Dino. one of the best drum and bass sets I've ever heard in my life. And he's not even like primarily a dj he runs the firm you know, a graphics yeah. designer but he's actually played as like super cool neurofunk minimal neurofunk set one year at paradiso was the festival called before excision took over the bass canyon there was this other festival yeah yeah with chad chad uh smith mm-hmm. no chad, no it chad was, uh no. chad what's his last i don't even remember chad it was you chad anderson sc and they ran into a bunch of internal problems that we yeah. don't need to talk about but but uh they used to do a lot of good festivals up there in yeah washington so what you're saying is there might or might not be spaghetti wrestling at wakan festival sure that's fine no, it'd be even a spaghetti drum and bass section. Like I'm, my brain is going on overload right now. We yeah. should stop this podcast soon so I can go work on music. Okay. <laughs> um, Dimensions tour is on sale. Tickets are crushing. We're doing three nights in Denver. I am going to tell you, you do not want to miss those shows. Every if you don't live in Denver, every single night is different. Every artist lineup is different. Martin's playing three different sets. Yeah, it will not be the same music. And uh, if you can't go to that, go to New York. Go to both. Go to Huluween. Go to every stop on the tour. I don't give a shit. Just go. It's going to be amazing. Loads of merch. All new production. All new visuals. New music. And... Uh, it sounds amazing. You made it sound awesome. I think I might go. I think <laughs> yeah. I just sold it to yeah, myself. I'm going definitely after hearing you say all this. Yeah. I'm excited about it uh very excited actually after the pandemic again i'm not going to take it for granted uh, i think i've gotten you mm, little yeah. oomph in my step here for being out touring well the, if you want a surefire way to always keep martin touring go to the shows yeah because that will give him reason to do it well con tv it's been a great episode dimensions tour we're on sale We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. See you next time.